When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Aaron. Hello, Aaron and Jeff. Hello, heroes. Nailed it again. Really, perfect. really. Perfect, perfect. The really first time brought. out the gate, the thunder has been brought. But we, we, we can't spend time celebrating ourselves because we have so much that we'd like to get to. So <laughs> let's introduce ourselves real quick. First up, we got Aaron Catano Saez. Hello, I'm Aaron Catano Saez. I'm a voice actor. I'm the co-creator of the All My Fantasy Children podcast of the One Shot Podcast Network. And I'm also Cecilia Whitwick on the Skyjack's Couriers Call podcast. Listen to it now. Boom! <laughs> Next, we've got Jeff Stormer. Jeff Stormer, podcaster, game designer, Olive Garden, party of one, talking dog, All My Fantasy Children co-host. Party of One Pod on Twitter, jeffstormer.com. Boom, 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 boom. Drew Merzieski. Drew Merzieski, actor, podcaster. Uh, I, I do Skyjacks, Courier's Call. That's it. Bam! That was so confident. We were all in our power, and now we're ready to begin. Eric Catano Saez, could you please read us our prompt? Our prompt to us comes this time from Nymeria941. What are some courtship rituals in Sphere, and how do partners adapt if one is aboard ship and one is on land? Uh, so this is this is a beautiful prompt it because it is open-ended. I have uh, a, a story that I'm actually working on. Uh, and yeah, this is in, in the style of uh, the Maiden and the Heart. Um, I, I'm hoping to have this ready for uh, next February. We'll see. Uh, this is a little bit of a romantic horror story. Right now it's called The Siren of Broken Hearts, but... Um, I did for it come up with a uh, courtship slash marriage tradition uh, that exists in a place uh, within Sphere, uh, which is uh, uh, attached to a region called uh, Lastalum. Uh, and in Lastalum, uh, folks who are looking for a partner, um, uh, this is not a gendered thing, I'll point out, it is. Uh, this is just how you define how you would like to to find a partner. Folks who are looking for a partner will weave a cord. Um, so that that might be like a, a rope or or a ribbon. It it is a woven string like object that is made of you know whatever you want to weave out of, and they will wear that in their hair. And folks who are looking to marry that person will cut that cord. And on the day of their wedding, uh, they will tie both ends of the cord together as a knot. And that is where the the tying the knot uh, marriage metaphor comes from. Cute. So, so yeah, you, you have folks who I, I imagine like it's not just weaving the cord, which is a very personal thing, um, but it's also, uh, you know, whoever is cutting the cord, it is like preparing their knife or scissors or whatever object they're going to cut a cord with. Um, and in The Siren of Broken Hearts, uh, one of the central pieces of the story is that uh, someone it is very difficult to cut someone's cord. 
Um, and the the belief, the folk practice is if someone is able to cut your cord, you are in a sense, uh, you know, meant to be that like, you know, your your union is blessed by the union itself. Um, but like, I imagine there are a lot of different uh, folklore stories that come out of it, like not just it being difficult to cut someone's cord, but a, a after a cord has been cut, not being able to tie the knot properly uh, and it constantly falling apart. Like there are a lot of different angles on this. Um, and it is like a thing that is very particular to to a region within sphere. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's one that I got. I have one off the top of my head um, thinking about the career service and how important letter delivering is in a world without a telephone, without email, without long range communication, letter giving would be something very romantic. Cause I'm thinking about if one is aboard a ship and one is on the land, for example, I would, I'm thinking about basically great distances. I think someone aboard a ship and someone on the land for your partner, for your significant other you always have a few flowers hung upside down to dry out. You always are drying flowers. Because when you write that person a letter, it's not about the scent or anything about that. You put the dried flower bud in the envelope before you send it. Because when you press it down, the seal itself is going to crush the flower and turn it, kind of disintegrate it. When you open it, mm -hmm. though, and you read your letter, you know, you see this token of affection, you see the dried flowers from where your partner currently is, especially important for someone who's traveling a lot. You see the type of flower that's been given to you, and then the person who may be staying perhaps at home or staying at a new location would have a flower for where they're from. The purpose is you read the letter, and then the bits of dried flower, the crumbled, what we would think of as like a mess, and oh, what a beautiful thing. The person aboard the skyship releases that dried flower to the wind so that it may scatter all over the world and their love may spread throughout and hopefully mm. fall to the earth and fall down and rain down their love on others so they can share that joy. And then the person who's on the land spreads it to the wind because you don't want to put it in the sea, obviously, but you spread it on the wind the best you can. You get to a high point, basically, and let that dried flower fly out into the world and spread your love out so that it can reach across to other people and spread out the joy that you have for each other. Whew, that was mental I love gymnastics. That. That's, That's cool. That That's cool. <laughs> nailed it. Awesome. You That's nailed cool. it. I, uh, I also have one that is related to uh, someone on the ground and someone in the sky. Yeah. Uh, a betrothal ritual. If you are to, to pledge vows, to marry, to commit yourself to, 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 the true gesture of love between a person in the sky and a person on the land, a skyjack and a person on the land. It is seen that your love is between the two of you. It is between only the is only the two of you and the people that you choose to have at your back. And so the tradition is, or a tradition is actually this is pulling on the the lore that we established in the very last episode of All My Fantasy Skyjacks. It is for, this is, it is a, your, your vows, your pledges, your promises are for, there are for the two of you alone. So there's a tradition among sky, among sky travelers, among sky ships to when the ceremony comes and the vows are being exchanged to lift up above, to specifically go above the clouds where not even the moon and the light of the forest queen can see because this vow is only for, this vow is only for you and it is oh. only for the people that you have, you, you bring the people onto the ship. It is like a time. It is a wedding ceremony that is tiny where the only people is people that can fit on this ship. 
we lift off into the sky because not even the forest queen should he see or hear what you are going to say. No one should hear it but the two people pledging and the people they choose to have on on literally on deck at that moment. And so the ceremony is a, a pledging of vows above the clouds where where your only light is the light in the air and where not even the the moon not even the the finding light of the moon itself can can expose the things that you've said because there is there is only you and there is only love and there is only the people around you. Jeff, that's, dope, that's dope, dope. I love that a lot. I got one. Uh, yeah. Have you guys ever heard the term jumping the broom? No. Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, jumping the broom is uh, a term for getting married in medieval Renaissance. That was it. That's all you had to do. If two people loved each other, it was like, here's a broom. Jump over it. Congratulations. You're married. Um, that's all it took. So I propose a, a obstacle course. A, Yes, a bit. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Uh, it is the gauntlet of love. <laughs> it is. It is a uh, a couple. Uh, they're like we love each other. That's great. Uh, jump the broom and let everyone know that it's, you two are together. Great. They jump the broom and then the town or the community tears the broom apart, and everyone takes a part of that broom, and it for a year and a day, this couple will be together, and they have to go and find all the pieces of the broom and put it back together. Um, in a sense oh. of it's a journey. They have a year to journey, basically. And How dedicated are you to this? Yeah, and, and like we're like, going to go and talk to this person and get that, that back. And if that person doesn't, doesn't think that we should be together, we need to tell them why we, be- we believe we need to be together. That's awesome. And, that and, like, and if, you, if you can't get it back from them, that's okay. You can make that part of it and make it your own between the two of you. Um, and so it's, you have an entire year to kind of perform this journey together. Um, yeah, it gives you a year to like get used to being married. Yeah, yeah too, basically. And, honeymoon. I, and if at the end of it, you're like, you know what? This didn't work. You go, we just won't find the rest of the broom and we go our own separate ways. And we, we gave it a good shot. Dang. That rules. That, that oh, rules. That, that rips. Rules. Hmm. Um, so now that we have these out there, I, I just want to. Talk about some things that I loved about everybody's uh, things that they came up with. Aaron, I, I want to start by saying yours. Uh, I love the spirit of generosity that is at the center of that. Um, the idea that love is a thing not just held between two people, but is also a thing that you hope is shared with the world uh, is extremely cool and feels like it gets at like the center of uh, what what I want uh, the themes of the show to, to come through as Mm -hmm. like the sharing and, and hoping to, to make the world a better place is very, very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, That's just so good. I also, Jeff, like there are a couple things that I think about this, your tradition that you came up with is something that is clearly on the tail of like necessitated, by people being on skyships like this is a type of marriage ceremony that was invented within the last 60 years and invented by laborers who are either you know getting married or are like going into a matelage uh which is the the piratical version of getting married um and like the idea of on a skyship uh things like privacy being so rare 
the idea that like, well, your union to another person is like one of the most private things that can exist and we will make accommodations for that is very good. I now, it with your permission, Jeff, mm-hmm. I would like to add a dark little twist. Go for it. To this. Yes, always. Mm. A, a perverse little warping of this in that the Red Feather Company sells this type of wedding. That this is a, a, a type of marriage that was originally invented by the working class people aboard Sky Ships uh, based on themes that were important to them. And the Red Feather Syndicate has seen it, seen that it is popular, and now in major cities will offer floats that will bring your ceremony up above the clouds to perform a version of this ceremony. So you get the Disney-ass version that is sold to rich can, people can I, as, can as I, a fancy. Can I further twist that? Yes, please. That is so. Thinking about thinking about uh, pulling a little bit of unfortunate reality from our world, uh, I'm going to say that like doing that is extremely dangerous. Thinking about <laughs> yeah. thinking about like the very real, the very real and unfortunate truth of like of like people putting people in danger for gender reveal parties. Like if you buy a float, like if you do a float wedding, like the part of the reason that the skyship tradition like worked and sustained over the last sixty years was because it was orchestrated in part by people who are trained and committed to this as a lifestyle. Like this is I'm committing to this for the rest mm. of my days. So if my crew takes me up above the clouds, we're okay. We're going to we know how to man the skyship at this height. We know what's going to happen when we lose the light of the moon. We know all of these things. If I am just some rich jerk and I'm like, well, I want to do the the above the cloud thing. Like all of my friends are going to get on this platform. We're going to go up above the sky. You have no idea what you're getting into. And that is a profoundly dangerous thing. And there are stories of there are regular stories of people who commit to this ill-funded, ill-advised Disney-fied wedding. And half of the people at the wedding don't come back because they were oh like, well, gosh. the ship, the ship capsized. We didn't know what to do. Like it is, it is yeah. terrifying and unfortunate. And so it is, it is rich people writing their own doom because they insisted on, on, on stealing this thing. The sphere fire yes. festival in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> All of our ships will rise at once. <laughs> God, God. Oh, I, I, I adore it. I adore everything about it. Oh. <clears throat> oh, a note that I want to make about mine real quick, if I can, is just something oh, cute, where if you see someone gathering flowers, usually the first reaction is like, you want to tell me about them? You know what I mean? Like a cute, cute. wink. Yeah. Or if you walk into someone's cabin on a skyship and you see a bouquet turned upside down, you pull up a chair and you're like, oh, tell me about them. Who are they? Mm. Like, tell me everything. Like, oh, I want to know everything about how you met. It's an it's indication really of like, I'm in correspondence with someone. I'm seeing someone. It's kind of like like an unofficial wedding band. It's kind of like, a, a, remember getting pinned in things like Greece in like the 50s? Like you're, you would give someone your pin and you're going steady. Yeah. It's mm. very much like that, where if you see it, you're like, oh, that person's that person's with someone. Ooh, cute. I see it. I saw the upside down bouquet drying out. And then like people will help someone. Like, oh, do you want me to help you gather flowers from like, I think it can be a gift giving thing as well. Where it's, you know, you you know someone's traveling for work and you're like, I know you didn't have time and Teshirt to grab any flowers for your for your sweetheart. So here are some flowers from Teshirt 
make sure you turn them upside down at this angle because it'll dry them out just in the proper way. You know, enjoy writing that letter, bud. It's just oh, like that, something that's sweet. Cute. That's very beautiful. That, that's really sweet. That also, I also see that as, let's say you've, you have uh, a romantic attachment on a ship. Mm. Like, you're just going to dry flowers anyway and give it to them. Yes. Like, like oh. dried flowers are just a thing. Yes. I like, just the visual of dried flowers is very good. Mm-hmm. And also the delicate nature of them is what I also think is very uh, symbolic for this world and trying to maintain a long distance relationship via letter that you have to rely on the courier service to deliver in a world full of peril. Like your love and your correspondence is as fragile as this flower. And even though it can get jumbled and tossed and crumbled, it's still the flower. It's still intact. And that's kind of the symbology behind it. I love that. It's really cool. I I also love the idea of someone feeling like, a hint of pride or excitement in getting letters with flowers from all over sphere. Yes. Like I've never seen this flower before. And like, look at all of these petal fragments. Like I've kept a, a little bit of each one because it, it's, it's such an impressive and cool thing that my love has loved me from all of these places. And that also means uh, that there is a, they, they, there is flower language in sphere. Like, which is mm-hmm. very yes. sexy and appealing to me that different flowers will mean different things and different gestures and different implications based on that. Ooh, see, that's spicy. That's spicy. That's when yeah. you have like a whole other episode talking about sphere flower language. Oh, yes, that is that is definitely its own episode because <laughs> there's a rich vein mm-hmm. to mine there. I, I, I want to uh, focus in on Druze for a little bit. I, I, I love the idea that uh, you are chopping up this broom and distributing it out to different places. The question that I have is... Who gets to be a part of this ceremony? Is it the entire community? Does everybody have a right to to give a say about what they think about your marriage, or is this an invited guests situation? I think it. I think it depends. I think it absolutely depends. I think if you uh, if you want, it's just people you you want to be there. Um, if you want it to be like, we want to open this up to everybody, um, not just because. We want people to have a say in it, but because like I need to, I need to let you know why this is okay, um, mm. and mm. have that kind of like you think that we're not right for each other. No, please come, please come and take a piece of it, and I will come and tell you why. Dang, um, to have it not be completely on the defensive, but there's also the offensive as well. But I think it really depends. It really depends on what you and your partner are comfortable with. If you are comfortable being like, no, I'm okay letting the whole world know. And, you know, we are fine going out and being like, this is us um, to do that. But if you're like, let's just keep this between family. I don't really want to have to prove that I love you to everybody. You can do that as well. I think that it's it's both because I think, you know, it, it depends on how you feel and like what how you want to go about it. I like the idea that there is like almost like an origin myth within this culture that like, oh yeah, the first queer marriage Mm -hmm. that happened, you know, they invited the whole community out. They jumped over the broom. They chopped out that broom. And at the end, every single person in the community who was against whatever they were doing at first 
handed over their piece of the brew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so these days nobody questions it on those grounds. Yeah. And you're kind of ridiculous if, if you think otherwise. Yeah. I, and I love that. I what I like about it too is once you jump the broom and it's scattered, you go on this kind of reintroduction tour of the people as a team. You know, whether mm. you know, this couple is now proclaiming themselves to be like no like it's about uh, uh, we're looking for the broom and we're gonna go to each of our neighbors in our community we're gonna address every single person and why you know if if that's their journey you know in this situation but you kind of go and proclaim yourself and like you know i'm this and i'm that and this person's this and you know we proclaim ourselves we are worthy of is it was worthy of love yeah or worthy of being this in this couple mm-hmm. possibly yeah but yeah it's kind of this like let me say this all over again. <laughs> Let me say this all over again. What I really like is that the, the 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 couple, the polycule, what have you, kind of reestablishes themselves as a unit after this kind of tradition in mm. their community, and that is kind of like and it's and it strengthens both their relationship. And it's like a cute record. You said they don't have all they have to do for a year is that. And it's like, I was like, that's a year long honeymoon, like a cool adventure honeymoon. Yeah. Where you go on this magical scavenger. So like the, the group gets closer. The community gets closer by learning about their new members. It's like this overall makes your community as a whole stronger. In addition to forging a love in this crucible of a scavenger hunt. Yeah, yeah, it's giving them some stake in your relationship too, which I, I think is really cool. Um, the I, I there's also I like the idea that like if you go to a wedding, um, you know, there, there's the bride and groom are supposed to you know make their way around, and and it feels like they've said hi to everybody or thank you to everybody at the event itself mm-hmm. or you know surrounding that that time, but like that feels very scant and it feels very surface level. Um, so the idea that like you are taking a, a year and a day to make sure that everybody who is important enough to be involved in your ceremony has time with you, I, I think is cool. And it makes that bond a little bit more special, mm-hmm. which I, I think is really fun. The other idea that that occurred to me as I was thinking about this is I remember being in my mid to late 20s where I had like six weddings in a year. <laughs> Can you imagine like, oh, I've got six broom fragments and like <laughs> all my friends are doing the same trip. So like we have to like exchange broom fragments or whatever. We got to like hunt each other down and, I, and whatnot. So, so there's two things that I want to say. And there one is about that. And I, there's two things I want to throw out tying into that. I, I think it is part of the, 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 the ceremony, prepa- the preparation of the ceremony that you and, and your betrothed betrothed, like you, the, the couple, the polycule, what the, the group getting married together decorate the broom and paint the broom and like yeah. create the broom mm-hmm. as like your object such that when it when it is fully reassembled like it is your object right it is the object that is the symbol of who you were at the moment of this ceremony yeah and you, i mean you obviously hang it in your home exactly it's obviously right. like a, oh! a yes a, Comfort- a yes. big like a big 
portion and so of like you want your, it to be like your living room. You want like, it to be decorated, is, yeah. right? You want it to be like the symbol. You want it to look like you. And I think it is. So like what it is it is you have to find like the purple tie dye broom fragment because you know that is and like that That's is yours. That yeah. is also part of it. The ceremony that is part of the other half of the ceremony is the person finds your broom fragment. They they know they know the one that is you, right? They know. Oh, that's cute. They they, they know the visuals mm-hmm. that are you and this couple, and I think it is this uh, that idea. The other thing that I wanted to throw out was, uh, it is it is a common tradition, right? Like it is a, a commonly accepted tradition that um, in the way that 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 so many ceremonies involve certain degrees of like eye-rolling acknowledgement of silly traditions. It is a silly tradition and an accepted tradition that the couple has no responsibility to tell you when they're going to show up. (laughs) And, like, if a couple knocks on your door... Like if it's your friends, hospitality rules. Yeah, yeah. hospitality rules. If, if your if your friends, if 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 the people that you love knock on your door and say it's time to have the broom discussion, well then you have to then it's up then you prepare you prepare a cup of tea and you sit and like you know it's it's a little bit of the it's a little bit of that kind of it's it's the silly half of that tradition of like you kind of try like the 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 couple the polycule the betrothed find ways to like make that fun and be like haha we're here. <laughs> and it's like it's kind of a, the fun part of it is figuring out, you know, I want I want I'm going to want this moment with this person to be like planned out and like we know it, we see it coming. But there are absolutely friends that you show up on their doorstep at midnight and you're like, it's time. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> and like, it, yes, there's a fun, there's a there's a and there's kind of the part of joy to that as well. Right. There's the part of joy of like, oh, my friend showed up at midnight. We had to have the broom discussion. <laughs> So I I thought of a cute thing, too. On the year, once the broom has been formed, right, it takes a year. I put that in air quotes for everyone. The next year, kind of like how you eat the cake topper a year afterward, the next year on that anniversary of the day, you step outside and everybody involved holds the broom and gives one big sweep out the door as if to say, we've assembled the broom and we're sweeping out the old and in with the new. And it's like this, yay moment where everyone's like, they made it a year. Yay, the broom still works. And then everybody comes and counts the strands on the broom to make sure that they're all still there. I love it. I love it. I love that. That's good stuff. That's all good stuff. Um, uh, So uh, another think like i i have mostly chambered things to to bring to the table uh one that i did uh, bring up on another podcast but i do want to make sure because i don't know how many people went out and listened to that other podcast that everyone has access to the little bits of skyjacks lore dropped around the world there's a, another community tradition that i talked about uh as margaret in an interview that she did uh about a community and sphere where you get married multiple times to multiple people and the partners that you marry are attached to the season. So you have like a summer husband and and a, a autumn wife or whatnot nice. that as the so seasons good. change, you you move around around your houses uh, and that that's kind of how you live. So like uh, you naturally flow between partners and how this is a tradition that existed long before the stars fell and long before the seasons were a mess. But now because the seasons are a mess, it's it's 
complicated in a really fun way in that the tradition is that when the seasons change, you are supposed to have dinner that night where uh, the partners that you are passing off to, everybody like sits down together for a meal. So like, you know, you bring you bring your winter spouse and you bring your spring spouse uh, and they bring their winter and spring spouse. Everybody has a meal and you you switch houses or however it works and you go off to live your life. Now, because the seasons change unexpectedly and unpredictably, the community has to work and focus itself in a way that supports this tradition that allows everyone to participate in this tradition, which they see as important and sacred, but still allow the community to exist. So I kind of feel like this weird polyamorous enclave has also become kind of a, a communist utopia in that they have to pool their resources to make sure everybody can eat because everybody is feasting like, you know, three <laughs> nights out of the month or whatever, how often the seasons change. I just wanted to throw that out there and make sure that that, that uh, romantic tradition also got on uh, the table for everyone. But we are at about half time, and we did have another prompt that we liked. So let's get into this. This one comes to us from, from Sable, at Knife Patron on Twitter. It just says, Sphere Pearl Divers? Which, folks, I'm a big fan of pearl diving. And Jeff, you had mentioned that you had an immediate pitch for this. Sky pearls. Sky pearls. Okay. Sky clams. Okay. <laughs> sky sky clams. Sky pearls. No, sky pearls. Sky pearls. A... How? How? How sky pearl? How? Yeah. Sky pearls. Okay. 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 So it's got a good mouthfeel. It has a good mouthfeel. And I've Jeff, can I ask you a question? Yeah, hit me with a question. Because if a pearl is kind of in a clam, like uh, an amalgamation of like minerals and sediment and things like that, that forms this beautiful thing based on random probabilities. Some clams have one, some don't. You know, this this thing forms kind of like how a diamond is formed in like, you know, the wildest of conditions. Is Does that translate to sky pearl where it's kind of a uh, an anomaly, like, you know, one in a million, the wind creates a pearl I, or something like I that i was really specifically gonna i was gonna immediately float storm clouds because it's as as specifically a thing where a skyjack or a skyship is never gonna fly or like would try its hardest to f- not fly through because it is so mm. obnoxiously perilous to fly directly through like a thunderstorm cloud and like somewhere mm-hmm. in certain thunderstorm clouds the mix of electricity and and air creates this floating object that like is wrapped around as the lightning wraps around it increasingly amounts and it wraps the, so, the cold in the air and creates this pearl was the vibe that I'm, I'm getting so it's like when lightning strikes sand kind of yeah and, oh! and there's that instantaneous thing, like thing of like that that there's something in the storm yeah. clouds that they're right conditions it will strike it and and make a, a sky pearl and like it just is hell it held in this pearl and I almost love the idea that that that, that it, it it washes away with the storm clouds. So like it creates a sort of almost tradition of tornado chasing of like mm, of yeah. like if the if the storm conditions are right, we know that a pearl can be made in there. We've you know that you know there is a there is a, a class of 
of person of the of pearl diver that has studied storm conditions and knows if i enter this storm cloud at just the right time i've only got about 40 minutes of the like you know you know it's it's among uh, like thinking about star watching and thinking about the idea of like being able to predict this storm's only going to last an hour that cloud is only large enough to storm for an hour that means that like this is the window where a pearl will have been created which means that we have to go into the middle of this thunderstorm cloud at this time and and if we are lucky we will find a pearl in the middle of that and it is this incredible rare beautiful thing because i was thinking you also need to predict the lightning strikes yes. too uh so so you you really really have to be careful and specific in, in how you do it which i love which means that like it is there are privateer companies that do this um and maybe there is like syndicate ships have like gotten them by accident but like yeah the people who do this are wild storm cha- they're Absolutely storm wild. it's twister okay yeah. okay that, that, question yeah. question question though question uh sky pearl what is it good for say it again huh. oh. um <laughs> so so what what are they good for like what are they are they just rare you can sell them for a lot of bars or are they components or like what what, what do we that think that is a great question if it is so first of all i'd like to I'd like to say that you have to, in the in the tradition of pearl diving, like we talked about, you have to have a person. The, there is a person who leaps off of a skyship into a storm cloud to physically grab a pearl. You can't use like a net because I feel like that encompasses the pearl diving aspect of the risk of jumping off of something. Like and, bungee cording off? Yes. Essentially like jumping off a cliff into water diving for pearls. So you are in a Faraday cage suit being like bungeed off the side like, of a skyship like, like yeah. some jo- like some jaws nonsense yeah like yeah you have to grab it you can't net it because perhaps it is fragile perhaps Ooh, it is yeah. unstable in that way mm-hmm. that like you know i'm not uranium but the idea that it it's something that has to be kept very closely held and that maybe is why it has value does it have something to do with skyships? Does it have something to do? Because if it's a concentration of what? Air pressure, elements, magic. And lightning. Is it this lightning amalgamation of all of these forces that kind of creates a thing? I, I, I'm going to say it can be used a lot of ways. Again, because of the way magic works on sphere, like there are a couple elements that the object itself is just playing with. Like no matter what, because of how, what you have to do to get one of these things and the fact that it is from the sky, uh, like it is already an object that carries some magical weight because like there's a hell of a story behind it. It can only be seized through labor. And uh, the fact that it is a physical manifestation of the idea of the sky there's it's almost boundless what you'd be able to do with that um so yeah definitely a thing that is sought after for for magical property for sure i i would love to throw out thinking about the things that it is made of the the as aaron you were saying like pressure and wind and lightning and magic and the sky itself i almost think and i think the fact that it is born of it is there is uh it, james like you said like there is a story there there's a story in getting it but also there's a story in creating it that itself has a kind of magic that I want to posit to you right now, which is it is an object that is born in a storm. And as it is born, the storm dies like it is made in the storm. And as it is made and like 
you know, and that is there's nothing magical in that process, right? Like, but the 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 sheer act of creating a pearl is that the lightning strikes and wraps around, and the wind is rapid and creates this thing. And because storms only last a limited amount of time, means that as it is being created, that storm is dying, which means that there is a a, a an inherent story to that, which means there's an inherent sort of magic, which means that if kept on, I want to propose that if kept on a sky ship, a a storm pearl will push away like will and like or is is thought to and sometimes does because of the magic story behind it push away storms because this thing is the death of storms i that fuck it rules for so many reasons jeff because it this is also like not just like ooh wild treasure hunting now this is something that can be tremendously valuable to a community in that someone doing this a company doing this could prevent like a, a a hurricane from destroying a coastal community. Mm-hmm. Yup. It, it can also You can, can also, kill the storm. It can also keep the place with a season longer. Oh because the maelstrom Oh it could stop a maelstrom. It could stop a maelstrom. Yeah, well a maelstrom pearl is a whole other thing. That's a whole other deal. Thing. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other class of thing. And Drew, it definitely exists. Hold on. It definitely can exists. I, can I throw out can I throw out a slight twist that I think is gonna Put put some real spice on that meatball. Yes, you. Oh, please spice up my meatballs. You both said you both said the words a maelstrom pearl. I really want to twist that word and say the maelstrom pearl. Interesting. Is there a pearl in the maelstrom? Is it thought that there is one? So there can be multiple maelstroms. A, a maelstrom is a type of storm that occurs that is similar to a hurricane, but it warps the seasons around it. So you would find like the quadrants of seasons like warped mm-hmm. in a kind of a spiraled funnel around a maelstrom. So there can be mul- multiple uh, maelstroms, uh, but I do like the idea that those that mean this means that none of those maelstroms cannot end at the same time that only one maelstrom can end at once there's only one maelstrom in, pearl in the, in the history of sphere only one maelstrom has ever formed a pearl like dive what or one maelstrom pearl has ever found. been claimed. Yep, 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 yes, i love yes, that yes, i really yes, truly yep, love yep, that treasure yep, hunting like it, love it. yes yes good the other thing that i'll add to it is it disappears when the next maelstrom ends. Ooh, yeah, that's good. So if you were to use it for anything, you gotta use it immediately because it's no. There's no telling when another maelstrom is gonna disappear. Oh man, I like this very much. <laughs> this this is good. We we I think actually have time to address pearl diving of the sea. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, because. We've touched on, like, this is the fun adventure pulp part of Skyjacks, which is a thing that I dearly love and and always love to keep. But the other part of Skyjacks that, that we owe to the Decemberists uh, is the melancholy uh, uh, sadness of, of struggle and strife that, that must be with us at all times. There are still pearls of the sea. There are still oysters that can f- form pearls, and pearl diving is is still a job because like uh, many different uh, things across sphere, like it is something that has magical property being from the sea itself uh, or a creature that lives in the water. There is a connection to, you know, the land wave and sky aspect of magic. Pearls are things that are in demand, um, which means that there are people that have to get them. 
and unfortunately, that means like with pearl diving uh, in the real world is it's something that is a, a vocation for communities that uh, really don't have many other options for generating income. Uh, and desperate people work their bodies very hard in order to get it for people who have a lot of resources. Um, you know, real pearl divers can hold their breath for an extraordinary amount of time, but doing that puts a lot of strain on their body in different ways between pressure from the water, uh, between, you know, pr prolonged periods where you have less oxygen than you're supposed to have in your body. And the fact that the sea is friggin' cursed. I think there's like a whole class of pearl diver that like, yeah, th there's just such a chance that you're going to get a mariner's mark. But if you can get a pearl because it's so dangerous to get them, you can sell that for a lot. Mm. Um, so there's just sheer desperation that, that fuels it. Can I add a piece of folklore around uh, sea pearls? Please. Uh, a, a sea pearl made by a clam, made in the sea, is a clam that has sh that has that has formed this thing, but has shut its yeah. mouth. I believe these are oysters, and people did get mad at me when I said sea lion instead of seal mm. uh, for our last all my fantasy skyjack. So I do want to spare us those Twitter comments here. Please return to what you were saying, Jeff. <laughs> but I am going to save us. Oyster, save us oyster, from the oyster, oyster lovers. An oyster that that so uh, a. Uh, the a thing about claiming a pearl is that an oyster has sealed its mouth so thoroughly, like like part of it is opening an oyster, and it is and what I imagine is that there is a lore, there is folklore, there are stories that a pearl is the representation of a secret never spoken, of a uh, a thing Ooh. that is a thing that is that was whispered that the lips never the lips never parted and the and the voice never spoke like a secret that went to the grave perhaps even. Perhaps even the secret of someone that died at sea, like there is a the oh, idea yeah. of like that that there's there's lore around the idea that a pearl carries with it secrets that secrets that died to lips that never spoke them. We I, can oh. bring this back a little bit to some of the previous stuff that that we talked about, um, both moonlight and uh, uh, the the death and necromancy talk, because. Pearls kind of look a little bit like moonlight, huh? Yes, they With do. With the way they're reflective and whatnot, which is very cool. So the idea that there is a hidden truth that gets buried within these oysters that people can open and access fucking rules. But also the idea that ancient pre-Starfall traditions say that if your love died at sea, if you can get a pearl... You will be able to like recover their soul and commit them to rest in the river the way they should be. Yes, I was gonna say like something about the the secrets untold in this like spooky way. I also thought of like if you never said your piece and you died on the water pre Starfall, like yes, where the the pearl is this piece of moon that's been you know it's it's basically a tiny moon and a secret is being revealed when you open it and it the the truth will come to you if you find this pearl and hold it in your hand and speak the name of those who have that who has been lost i love this so much i love this oh, oh shit boys oh my god oh my god pearls can commit to rest a drowned sailor oh 
If someone is all the way lost to the Mariner's Mark, if they have joined the fleet of drowned sailors, you can perform a ritual using a pearl of the sea to put your loved one to rest. And that will, you know, undo the claim that the Mariner has laid on them, which further justifies like the the value why people are seeking out sea pearls so mm-hmm. much even though it's super dangerous and even though most things from the sea carry a big taboo around them or yeah, this you just oh, or you just good. whip rocks at them you just grab a sharp rock and you <laughs> yeah, just, that's also you true. just yeah baby <laughs> yeah it, it, it it's such a tragic uh almost desperation like i i think of this frantic treasure hunt of ripping open Perhaps pearls are in clams and sphere. Who knows? It's a fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't know, listeners. Yeah. You can't correct it's, us. It's, it's, seals are se- seals are called sea lions in yeah. sphere. I should have yeah. clarified. It is a seal, but it's called a sea lion. It makes me think of being like you know, uh, you know, my Daryl was lost to sea. My Daryl is a drowned sailor, and the the idea of desperately risking life and limb, destroying my body, ripping through clams and oysters, looking for this pearl to get my to return my loved one to some peace is so tragic to me. Because there's, there, there's no guarantee that the one that you get out of the ocean is that there's going to be a pearl in it. No, and you're risking like, going into it to, to bring them yeah. back. You're risking getting your own mark. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's this very sad, frantic, desperate, desperate uh, attempt to bring someone you love back and risking joining them yourself by diving down and opening these things and... Oh, it's so wonderfully sad. Mm-hmm. And so also, good. the moon is alive and wants to beat you up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. W- wants to give and wants to specifically give you a wedgie. Yeah, just like yes. it's coming like, for specifically. You. Perhaps yeah. diving down and grabbing a pearl is the one way to truly avoid the German <laughs> suplex that the moon can give you <laughs> yeah, by yeah, being on the right. water. Sorry. <laughs> No, I think it's, I think it's Boys. beautiful. Like I think that's such a beautifully sad and like like you said, Aaron, desperate thing to be like I have to find this. There's also the way bivalves work. They are like real nature's wonderful filtration device. Um, I, I think having a bit large community of bivalves around your uh where, wherever you are whether it's an island or coastal region i do i do think that makes the water slightly less cursed I, I think where we find fishing communities it is a little bit safer to to go out fishing like in those areas um that feels very fun to me. And that, that feels like a, that thing. feels like a that feels like a like a like a marker of pride, right? Like if we are a if mm-hmm. we are a if we are a, a if we are an oyster town, like that feels like a like a thing to celebrate. Like like look, we are we are we are safer from the from the sea. It's a little hope within I, Pandora's box yeah. kind of visual. Yeah, and and like so that means this treasure of the pearl is like some in some ways represents like the purity the potential of like purity that the sea has to be not unsafe like i think about the liquid swords a lot the idea that probably pearls are like kind of a popular treasure or decorated thing for for monks of that order because of thematically what a sea pearl would represent yeah yes god I love it. It's yep, it's this. It's, def- it's almost like an act of. 
it's na- it's like a natural act of defiance against the Mariner to create something so beautiful within the realm of something where things can be so bad. It's almost, yeah. you know, creating this ward talisman behind enemy lines and it happens naturally. And that is like such a cool symbol to me. Where I- it's like, no, go ahead. I was saying, say, thinking of symbols, like something popped into my head that I want to kind of throw out, I think is cool. You had mentioned, James, the idea that, like, or, or we had talked about briefly the idea that, like, if, if there are a lot of oysters, a lot of clams, that might block some of the curse of the mariner. So perhaps, thinking about what I had said about, like, a town would call that a mark of pride, perhaps clam or oyster shell jewelry is, like, a thing that it shows, like, it is it is a, a symbol of, like, like, you know, you have a ring that is formed from an open from an open oyster shell, and perhaps that is a symbol that, like, I come from a place that I come from a place like it's a symbol of refuge from from this cursed thing, right? It's a symbol of of defiance or perseverance or like shelter from this from this overwhelming thing that surrounds us. Yeah, I I, I feel like that that extends to like muscles too, or creatures that like have mother of pearl mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. them. Um, the idea that like yeah, that too. Like we've worn away all the nasty sea stuff and beneath it is this like kind of beautiful substance that that represents like a a, a bit of truth and purity. I have to imagine there's a lot of like jewelry and whatnot that that is used to like defend yourself from the Mariner and whatnot. Got to imagine those Jiltarans have have a few like pieces of shell jewelry that are part of their armor against the drowned sailors as they battle. I imagine that. Absolutely. Yeah. I can I give one last image of a pearl before we before we oh yes well i i will challenge us to a a a lightning round thing but please great please then uh just an image that i think is in sphere that i think of when i think of a a clam or an oyster a clam especially in sphere making a pearl is kind of protecting a fire from blowing out from incredibly harsh winds with your body shielding like you know how you if you ever wanted to like carry a lit birthday cake you would put your hand in front of it to block incoming wind that to me is what the clam symbolizes is keeping this thing safe and secret from the mariner something that can return a drowned sailor something that defies the mariner's will this clam is keeping it safe and i feel like that is an image that is wide perhaps throughout sphere or even in just in certain cultures where it's the pearl symbolizes keeping something safe from things that wish to destroy it, to harm it, or just putting your body in the way of something in order to keep it safe so that it can fulfill its purpose. I like that a lot. Thanks. (laughs) So for for this this lightning round thing, because I do always come up with these ideas like in the last 10 minutes of recording, the question that I put forth to, to all of you is sky pearls, sea pearls, Earth pearls? Ooh. What's an earth pearl? Okay. Earth. Is it opal? Because they look very similar. Oh, I have a, a amber could be an earth pearl. Interesting. Um, it, it could be, as it comes from the forest, which is dangerous, but it's a beautiful yeah. thing encased in something incredibly dangerous. That's that, my I like initial that. toss I, out there. I was also going to say, I mean... If sky pearls are made in a storm and and sea pearls have to be ripped out of the mouth of a clam, perhaps they are perhaps they are birthed out of that which is the most earth, which is perhaps they are they are quite literally 
it's it's a it's not obsidian, but it's inside of obsidian. Like you have to crack an obsid crack a block of obsidian to find a lava pearl that is born of Earth. Well, or is it a geode? Ooh. Like, or they only found on fault lines? Love That's that. Cool. Yeah. Love that. I love that. I oh, I because it, it does tie into our nice like it's something amidst something dangerous. Mm-hmm. Out of out of danger comes something beautiful. You know, out of yeah. risk, risk manifests into reward. In this case, in this natural phenomenon that keeps reoccurring in sphere. Yeah, and if it is along fault lines, that explains why it would be something that you could find in volcanoes and whatnot. So I I do like that. And, of course, that means that the true Earth Pearl is literally the core of the world, ah! which is cool. Um, so we've got the Maelstrom Pearl and the true Earth Pearl. Folks, in the last nine minutes, what's the true sea pearl? <laughs> is there a big leviathan? friggin' oyster is that too obvious oh man but how cool is it still Cause, oh uh the, um, the the true sea pearl is in a leviathan oyster but that is inside the stomach of another leviathan <laughs> okay oh, yeah see i was gonna say i was gonna say what if the sea itself is the oyster and there is a there is a pearl at the lowest, the the undersea fault line at the lowest depth of the sea, there is a pearl that rests that is the 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 purest sea pearl because the oyster that protects it is the entirety of the sea itself. Interesting. Well, yeah, I think what we're discovering at the bottom of the deepest trench of Sphere's ocean, there is a leviathan. And within that leviathan is a leviathan oyster. And within that is a frog on a bump on a log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Every one there... of your listeners, James, was just like leaning into their chair and then let out a sigh and sat backward. <laughs> and that is I the true all it. my fantasy children experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're gonna do it they're gonna make something good what <laughs> soda <laughs> mm-hmm. so we still haven't done soda oh, oh gosh oh, well it's okay we we had planned to record more and now it just means we must we must uh, we record must. more yeah, at a must. later date uh because we must <laughs> discover soda we must of course uh Folks, I cannot thank you enough for for joining me on these listener listeners. I, I really hope you're enjoying these. Um, I don't know how many more of these we're going to do. I don't like the idea of making y'all wait for too long for new narrative from the show. Uh, but these are definitely going to be up while while we're preparing for our next uh, story arc of Skyjacks. Um, so we'll see, uh, how many more are made, but, uh, before we go, I uh, just want a quick, quick sign off from everyone. Let, let folks know where they can find you. Um, I'm Eric Tanasayez. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Tanasayez, um, all one word. And you can find all my fantasy children on the one shot network website or at AMFC underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, my name is Jeff Stormer. I'm a podcaster and game designer, and you can find my work at jeffstormer.com, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, Party of One Pod. You can find uh, the other podcast I work on, Party of One, uh, which is an actual play about two-player role-playing games at partyofonepodcast.com. And I'm Drew Merzieski, and you can find me on uh, Skyjack's Career's Call on the One Shot Podcast Network. You can also find me on Twitter at Worlds to Forge. 
All right, heroes, uh, that is it for this round of All My Fantasy Skyjacks, at least for right now. Remember, there are no kings. Take flight. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Skyjacks Courier's Call an all-ages-friendly actual-play podcast set in the world of Sphere. Skyjack's Courier's Call follows three teens as they set out as new apprentices aboard an airship with the Swiftwell Courier Service, bringing mail and adventure across the world. Featuring Drew Merzieski, Palomi Pertap, Aaron Catano Saez, and Ali Grauer, and using the Cortex Prime system, this show is perfect for anyone just getting started listening to actual plays, and veterans of the tabletop genre alike. Join clever but anxious Kieran, bold, fast-talking Cece, and the loyal and strong June aboard the Red Audrin ship as they sort and deliver mail, encounter powerful magic, and learn the proper skills of an Ariner along the way. Right wrongs, do mercies, and take flight. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. Strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends ne'er to rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky All Also, right. I just want to say to everybody I did not realize I was going to be on camera Or else I wouldn't be wearing my robe Hey, it's a solid motherfucking robe. Feels no, good. I just, I just like knowing that you're comfortable. Feels good. I feel good. I feel, I feel relaxed. I feel powerful. I feel energized. I'm ready to go. We we got to do the regular All My Fantasy Skyjacks intro. Uh, so I think that starts with Aaron and Jeff, actually. Oh, yeah. Does Did it? we start oh, with Hey? Drew, we do need to tell Drew what to do. Yeah, I don't know. So <laughs> um, you are going, like, they're going to 
do the normal All My Fantasy Children introduction. I, I think you're very quickly going to catch on what that is. Okay. And yeah, you'll, be, you will, you'll, be forth, you will add, you'll be fourth in line, so just follow what James does and you'll be fine. I, no, I, I'm going to go with fourth in line okay. uh, because mine is different than everybody then, else's. Ooh. So, Drew, I'll be third. Drew I'll do we just, we're testing your improv skills so, here. Cool. Yeah, we're, we're we'll, do a thing, we'll do a thing and you can, you can, say, you can say, you can fill in the, the, the third word with whatever you like. But we're going to ask okay. you to say three mm-hmm. words once we once Aaron and I cue each other up three words beautiful beautiful All right. yeah how two excited words. are You're you right. to, two to words. S- there's two words <laughs> how excited are you to start with a, a riddle I know. it's gonna be great an enigma welcome to character creation cast a show where we create and discuss characters the best part of role-playing games with guests using their favorite systems I'm one of your hosts Ryan Bolter and I'm your other host Amelia Antrim Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. 